this is the Under Pressure Outdoors Podcast. Outdoors in partnership with Warriors Quest is brought to you by Martin Archery, the number one archery company. Martin Archery combines leading edge modern technology with innovative design to give serious bow hunters and target archers what they demand. Axis Camera Arms for a camera arm that offers a smooth, full range of motion without restriction, lightweight, easy to pack, the name speaks for itself the Axis Revolution. Conquest Sense for more than 15 years, Conquest Sense has been selling premium hunting sense to hunters around the country. Bojax Inc., the best designed archery dampening system. Simmons Optics, everything you need, nothing you don't. Ozonics, undetectable, undeniable. Dry shod waterproof footwear, the most wearable rubber boot. Veteran innovative products, VIP broadheads. The first and only scalpel sharp broadhead with dual spring variable cutting width suspension for superior penetration. Elevated safety systems. Rancho Rio Lindo in Uvalde, Texas. Piney Woods Hunting Lodge in Eufaula, Alabama. So this week, we're back with another installment of Outdoorsman of a Bygone Era with the whitetail deer stand or still hunter, however you would want to refer to it, uh, with none other than my own father, who is the man who taught me everything I know about deer hunting and also happens to be the youngest outdoorsman of a bygone era that we've had thus far. So Dad, I don't know, tell us a little bit about yourself. I don't know if we've ever covered any of that. Well, I pretty much have been self-taught. My dad died when I was four, but he hunted um, with his brothers, and they were, I was born in Ohio, and they hunted in Pennsylvania. Um, I never got to go uh, to Pennsylvania where they hunted, but I wanted to later on after my dad had died and my uncle uncle bob who uh died a couple years three maybe five years ago but never got to go but uncle bob did get to come to georgia with me a couple times and uh uncle bob was quite the trip uh, the boys can testify yeah, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> <laughs> uncle bob had quite the stories and quite the little songs he was really um, good at teaching dirty jokes yeah, yeah to little kids <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to little kids uh, but uh, I uh, I started hunting when Will was before Will was born shortly before Will was born that I really started hunting um, still hunting I did a little bit of dog hunting uh, but I 
chasing dogs and and uh, so I got on a lease in Georgia and had pretty much been hunting in Georgia for close to 30 years. Uh, did a little bit of hunting in Holy Paul in Florida with a buddy of mine, Al, who we hunted together for years until he retired and his wife got sick and he's pretty much been taking care of his wife. But uh, We'll so get him back up here again. We'll eventually. get him back up here. Yeah. And uh, so it's just been still hunting and the, the joy of raising my two boys and now my grandson taking him to the stand with me so and y'all have to excuse the the wind and the campfire crackle because we are in we uh, are in georgia hunting we are in at the <laughs> yeah, hunting camp at the hunting camp so uh we're sitting out here by the fire and i think there's no better place to sit here and record a, a podcast about deer hunting than uh right here where we do it and i know y'all are jealous so <laughs> and you had uh rylan my son his grandson out there this afternoon y'all saw a doe rylan's hunted with me twice and we've seen a doe both times we've hunted that he's hunted with me so i'm i'm happy I and see. i could have shot him both times but i already had meat and don't i'm, I'm looking for a buck so has he been up here when one was killed he has not mm, no no so. But he'll be coming up quite a bit this year, so he might tomorrow. That. You never know. Yeah, we'll see in the morning. Grandpa's finger might get itchy. So let's start off. Tell the story <clears throat> about your first deer. Oh man! First deer I killed was with a bow. Well, let me rephrase that. First deer I shot was with a bow. Second deer I killed was with a bow. Was in the same morning. I had. Uh, well, have, hang on a minute now. The first, what'd you kill the first deer with? I'm gonna feel like it's probably a vehicle. No, it was no. it was it was a bow. That I, I was gonna tell the story. Okay. Okay. I uh, was hunting in Ocala, and uh, we uh, had found a spot. Camp. We were camping up there, and uh, somebody had left a tree stand up there, and I climbed in it and had uh, my wife's brother. David was with me and put him in a in a climber, and I was hunting in somebody's stand. I don't know who it was, but they left. It was a nice ladder stand. Thank you, by the way, whoever it was. And uh, we were bow hunting, and I sat there, and it was. I kept hearing these deer running back and forth, running back and forth through the. We called it Christmas trees, and it was just where in Ocala the way they plant. It's just. Uh, it's scrub pines, yeah, sand pines. And I was in right on the edge between the sand, the, the scrub pines and the tall pines. And I kept hearing these deer running back and forth, running back and forth, running back and forth. So all of a sudden, about 15 yards behind me, this doe pops out. And I shot and hit her in the ham. And when I shot, that arrow hit her and it just went... I mean, it smacked. I hit her in the in the in the back ham, and I watched her go running off. And I could see that arrow just flopping. Didn't hurt her. She just took off running. So I was like, "Dang!" And I watched her the whole way. Knocked up another arrow. Was going to put one in her if she stopped. Well, then I heard more racket coming from where she came out, and this little six-point stepped out, 
and I drilled him. He turned around, went back into sand pines. So that was the first buck I killed, but not the first buck I shot. First deer you shot? Yeah. First, first deer I killed was and, a buck. And he still hangs in the garage he's to this day. still yeah. in the garage to this day. With the, yeah, it's got with the, big, the arrow like, that I shot him with. It's got like the frou-frou arrow with the big feather. But it's got the arrow that I shot him with <laughs> in his horns too. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't my fist buck, it was my first buck. Yeah, Will's got the fist yeah, buck. Will's, Will's yeah, Will's got the fist buck. <laughs> that tax. That's another story. Yeah, well, the taxidermist screwed up the plaque on there and put fist buck instead of first buck, and that went how many years before that was discovered? I don't know. <laughs> at, anyway. at least 10 years yeah, before that, somebody discovered it said think, fist buck instead of first buck. I think Dad scarred me for life by uh, by not doing a shoulder mount on my first buck because now everything I kill, I'm like, I want to shoulder mount it. <laughs> yeah. Will, got a, Will got a shoulder mount on his first. I got a European. So I started out, I mean, I was gun hunting but before that, but I went to bow hunting. I love bow hunting. It's just so stinking hot. And it's hard to bow hunting in Georgia sometimes because it's hot also. But, um, you know, we've always hunted. I've always hunted on small pieces of parcels property. And around bow season, your deer will change their patterns quickly because of agriculture and the harvest time whether you got peanuts or cotton or soybeans or corn um, all of that is harvested right around the same time of the year um, the cotton's a little bit later corn usually goes first but it throws the deer patterns off if you're hunting woods so we uh, I, I, when it's time to shoot a gun I'm ready to shoot a gun after bow season if, as long as work don't get in the way. Now we talk about a lot of this, when we talk about this stuff, we talk about technology changes, but are you still shooting the same bow you killed that first deer with? I know that PSE you shoot's no. pretty old. The yeah. first bow I had was a Hoyt, and uh, I shot long aluminum arrows because I'm tall and have a long draw length. It was like I was throwing logs out there with them aluminum arrows, so I... You know, that's... Go ahead. A crazy thing that's kind of come back around is a lot of people are nowadays are, are shooting like you know they, they went from those bulky aluminum arrows to shooting a real light carbon fiber arrow now people are trying to shoot like a real thick walled heavy carbon fiber arrow with a heavier tip they're like they want more weight to them now it's kind of crazy how stuff comes full circle like well that. with the with the 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 poundage of bows and how fast they shoot you can shoot those heavier arrows yeah. and you're not you know you're not having to so much worry about speed and penetration um, you know a, a shoot through is not necessarily the way to go um, when you're shooting a bow if you get that arrow halfway in there and that deer starts running it's hitting limbs and that arrow's just that that broadheads inside it just cutting away as he's hitting limbs and running and <coughs> so well, the advantage to having a pass-through shooting a bow is that you have a better blood trail. Yeah. Uh, when you don't have a pass-through, it tends to stop up the blood coming out, which makes it harder to find. So, there is our advantages and disadvantages to having that pass-through. And you see a lot of guys, you know, the mechanicals were big, and they're starting to kind of, you see a lot of guys switching back to fixed blade broadheads because um, the number one mechanical <coughs> rage is uh, not opening up like yeah. it should be a lot of times anymore. 
Right. But if you got you some VIP rod heads. I was going to say, if you're looking for a mechanical and you want to switch, I suggest you go, go check out VIP Broadheads, like we talk about here at the very beginning of the episode. Well, it was Easton, Easton Arrows, and I can't remember the name of the broadhead I shot, but it was like a 125 grain broadhead, um, fixed blade. Um, I know y'all, my buddy, when we... I had the the Hoyt bow and it had energy wheels. It didn't have a didn't have let off like Oof. the new bows have. <laughs> yeah. The first bow I shot was a Barnett, but I got rid of the Barnett and went to the went to the Hoyt, and uh, I, that was a good bow. It was, you know, it, it it wasn't all that fast, but it was it was it was steady and it was accurate. Well, then I went to the PSC had a. I still have that same PSC. Um, I haven't hunted with it in a couple of years. I've been I went to a crossbow because I can. Uh, how was how's it go when the Indians when the Indians got guns? Did they keep shooting bows or did they have guns? No, they traded for guns. Yeah, yeah. And I've had this discussion many times with some hardcore bow hunters. I love to bow hunt too. I do too. Yeah. Um, I brought my bow this weekend well, in case. The, this is this is where I look at it. If I can be more accurate with a with a crossbow, um, it's so stinking hot in Florida, and it's hard to get out and practice like I need to to shoot before season, um, where I can pick up that crossbow, shoot it a few times, and it's on, and I know it's on. Where if I get my bow, I need to be shooting two three weeks ahead of time, and make sure everything's on, and make sure I'm on. Yeah. Um, where I can just pick up that crossbow and shoot out 40 yards and know that it's it's yeah. going to hit 40 yards. I, ideally, I feel like if you're shooting, if you're a serious archery hunter, you don't you don't need to be shooting three, you know, three weeks ahead of time. You need to be shooting. Yeah, and it's but you never should have stopped. Yeah, year round. To, That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You need to be shooting year round. It's it's hard to do that unless you know it's just a stinking hot and I, I work. Know, and yeah. You, oh, absolutely. Life so gets in the way. I would rather know that I'm going to be accurate and not wound something and not be able to find it where I can shoot something and kill it. Although I've yet to kill anything with my crossbow. Um, and I might hunt, I might bow hunt two weekends. Uh, you know, it only lasts a month. And uh, with work, my, with what I do for work, our busy season is, is unfortunately during hunting season. So my time is limited, so I would rather be accurate and, and bow hunt with a crossbow just because I although I did bring my bow this year just in case something happened with a crossbow I, t I brought mine this weekend because I knew I was going into uncharted territory and I said well oh if you've it's, seen if it's, deer yeah. you could have shot with your bow oh yeah absolutely I said if it's real thick and it's going to be real tight I said I'd rather go hunt with my bow than try and maneuver and pick little tiny spots where I'm like you know with my gun well if you, the thing is is you gotta do the same with the bow, but if you're gonna have to pick and choose a little tiny spot, you might as well do it with a bow if it's inside 30 yards. Yeah, know. exactly. It's it, there's something like about it's a lot bigger than a bow that is yeah. so much more satisfying. Absolutely, I've uh, killed so much. I've killed two deer with a bow. Um, <clears throat> I killed a nice eight point, big old fat doe when I was in Kentucky, and I've missed my fair share of deer with a bow. Oh yeah. And I've lost a couple deer with a bow. I miss the biggest buck I've ever seen in my life with a bow. It still haunts me to this day. 
but I, I do love bow hunting but the only problem is like you said down here I mean during bow season it's very hot uh, and then when it comes to to muzzleloader or rifle season when I when I can extend my range past 30 yards because we do have a lot of agriculture here and we do have uh, more open areas uh, not necessarily like you do out west but we can stretch shots to you know I, I mean I would say a far shot here in South Georgia is is 200 250 300 yards that's a long shot your average shot takes place inside of 150 yards. Yeah, where we where we hunt. I mean, there's some yeah, people we that hunt that. with they have a lot of agriculture that can stretch out some long shots. We had that one in uh, in Blakely on the second lease we were on in Blakely, where you shot across that bottom. You know what I'm talking about oh, the yeah. one where you shot that big buck. Yeah. But when we had the box tent on the opposite side. Well, hold on, we'll get to that <laughs> story in a minute because that's yeah. going to have to be told here. <laughs> It's been told before. <laughs> Wouldn't I just have to tell it again? Well, that's perfectly fine. So, you've been at it. Thirty something. Thirty something years. years. Yeah. Yeah. And you started out bow hunting. Your first year was with a bow. Yep. Uh, what was your first year with a rifle? Man, I don't even remember. I think. Uh, First year with a rifle might have been with it actually with a shotgun. It might have been with a shotgun. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was in Georgia, um, and uh, was hunting in the bottom, so I was hunting with a shotgun. But uh, I went from everything to a semi-automatic to now hunt with a pretty much regular with a bolt action. Um, but I've got a shotgun that was my dad's, who died when I was four. It was his shotgun, a Ted Williams Sears and Roebuck adjustable poly choke 12 gauge, and uh, still have that gun today. But uh, I think my first one was probably, I think it might have been with a shotgun. Um, there's probably some pictures somewhere around the house. Um, I was pretty proud of it. But uh, still hunting from a ladder stand that was a homemade ladder stand. <laughs> um, probably sitting on a five-gallon bucket up on top of it. And uh, that wasn't in Blakely. That was in that was outside of Cuthbert, Georgia, close to the Alabama line. And uh, we had. I've never hunted on. I think the largest acreage I've hunted on is. I think we had fifteen hundred acres. And, uh, I, you know, we've always I, I hunted, the first year we hunted up in Georgia was, was on a pretty large lease. It was probably 15 of us, maybe 20. And uh, we, you know, when you get on a big lease like that, it's, it's, it's different. Uh, and after a couple years of that, we, uh, I, I had enough of it and started leasing my own property and got the numbers down where we didn't have so many people. And we've always had small pieces, I think 500, 700, 400, and now we're on about 200. Um, and you can kill just as many deer and just as good a deer. It just depends on where that property happens to be located. 
um, whether you got agriculture around. Um, but uh, I know the property we had in Blakely, it was right across the street from a state park, Colomoke Mounds. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it, uh, we we did our own. We you know we we made put roofs over our campers and stayed in campers and man we we poured a 10 by 10 slab for a skinning rack out of i went to the hardware store and bought a a pallet of sackcrete and we mixed it up and poured it and was that thing three inches <laughs> thick to get 10 by 10 out of one pallet <laughs> yeah <laughs> hey it worked for years yeah. as long as we had it but you know that was quite the skinning rack yeah oh, it yeah. was man that was a we ain't never had a skinning we rack. We added like to that it every since. year. Every year we'd do something different. It had power poles and cross cross arm on it. And then we went and uh, I think we put a roof over it first out of some old tin that come off a carport uh, at, at our house that we took down. And then we went and put one by fours and used shade cloth from, uh, from nurseries, which you put on a nursery and screened it all in because during. Yellow jackets would be so bad when you're out there skinning a the deer, you'd go to grab a piece of meat and get stung. So, I mean, it was, I mean, it was something. Then we put a put a sink up in it for cleaning. I mean, we skinned them out and gutted them and deboned the meat and had it processed, or we didn't have it processed or processed it ourselves. Um, I can remember hunting in Holy Paul with Alan. We Somebody got a dough, and we we had a hand grinder and ground all the meat ourselves. So, you know, we went from that to finding processors, and processors was the greatest thing we ever found. So, <laughs> now we pull up to the processor and we drop it on the ground, and we tell them cube the best and and grind the rest. So, uh, you know, if if, if, if you've had uh, any kind of hamburger with venison, you it's you can't beat it unless you get elk meat. So, you know, I think I learned I, I learned more about uh, anatomy in that skinning rack, <laughs> yeah, than I ever did <laughs> anatomy and biology in that yeah. skinning rack than I ever did anywhere else in my life. Yeah, I do remember like uh, what do they call it? dissecting things in high school yeah. and people are like what do you do i'm like i'm already three quarters of the way down with this thing what do you mean what do you do am i quartering this thing here's up the heart next, yeah. here's yeah. the kidneys yeah. am i quartering this cat up here next or what What are we doing yeah. i can remember when you boys we'd be skinning one out when you first get up there and we'd be skinning one out and come over here get real close and cut that gut and if it was if it was a gut shot cut that net we'd come out oh <laughs> I don't remember you getting bloodied on your first deer, but I sure remember Jordan getting bloodied because I got yeah. pictures of that. I, yeah. didn't, I, I did, but I don't think I got it too bad. No. No. We we took it easy on you. But so I mean, you you when you started hunting, uh, cell phones didn't hardly even exist. At uh-huh. least to the extent that they do now. When I started hunting, you probably had a bag. You bag. weren't even born yet, and I had. Uh, was hunting in Ocala and I had a bag phone. I got a bag phone because hunting season was started and your mama was close to having you so I carried that bag phone with me to the woods and because uh, you were born October 31st so that's you know right during hunting season. We tried and you know if you're getting married during hunting season or if you got a birthday 
you won't see me unless it's one of the boys' birthday. I always, I missed one of your birthdays, and the only reason I did that was because I had a trip. An elk hunt in Colorado. An elk hunt in Colorado. And you asked me if you could go yeah. before you went. I do yeah. remember that. So, uh, that was the only birthday I missed. Um, I, whether it was, uh, I was always there for birthday. Now, my birthday didn't matter. That was, I'd rather be in the woods on my birthday. Yeah. So. Well, you know, I, and that's... <clears throat> I got to a point where I'd rather been, and I still would rather be in the woods on my birthday now, but I got two young kids, so we got a trick-or-treat. Yeah. Yep. But I'm working on getting them to where they'd rather be in the woods (laughs) and (laughs) trick-or-treat, and then we'll be back up here. But, um, yeah, no, I lucked out. I got both my kids born in April. Mm Mm-hmm. And my wife's birthday is in February, and our anniversary is in June. It's all outside of hunting season. Oh, so even being, my birthday's in February, but yeah. I remember even as a kid. Yeah, time Jordan a little better than we did William, yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember even as a kid, even though my birthday was outside of hunting season, yeah. when I got asked what I wanted to do for my birthday, I wanted to take friends to the hunting camp. We well, always went hunting. to the hunting yeah. camp, went squirrel hunting. Yeah. <laughs> so Not that we killed too many squirrels, because, yeah, you know, you can, during hunting season, you see all you want. You go up in February when you can still shoot squirrels. You don't see any, so. We always had fun, though. Yeah, we always had fun. But I, you know, what I was getting at though is the the major shift in technology you've seen from the time you started deer hunting when you had your bag phone that was good <laughs> for a phone call to now where you're pulling yep. up GPS maps and yep. looking at pictures and all that stuff on your shooting text back and forth. Yeah, on your cell yep. phone. Yeah, we. I can remember trips to Georgia when we had CB radios. It would be two or three of us going along and yeah. And we were talking back and forth on the CB, uh, going up I-75. I remember that. Um, but, yeah, now we sit in tree stand and text, and we don't can't do that too good where we're at right now because our cell signal's terrible. You ever remember when we were kids going to the Kolomoki Mountains to shower? <laughs> And talk on the payphone. Yeah, and yeah, talk on the payphone. Talk on the payphone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We go over at night on we the go, yeah. to call we go mama there from to call the payphone. From the payphone, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember standing on the toolbox of dad's uh, old GMC pickup trying to talk on the bag phone <laughs> from the hunting camp in Blakely. Yeah. And then, uh, and, and going over there talking on the, on the payphone. <laughs> and then Nextels came about, and it was just a button click away, and like, Beep, beep. Yeah. <laughs> so, but you know, it, something you see now too that's it's really changed since. Uh, well, you know, you talk about the technology. I mean, then we started out with GPSs, and we had uh, I had a GPS that was a walkie-talkie. Yeah, that was GPS. a Garmin. Yeah, yeah when Garmin. First the Rhinos, and um, and then you could it got to the they were good enough to where you could see where someone else was who had another one just like it. So both you boys ended up getting garments. That way I knew where you were. I could see where you were when you talk, when we talked back and forth on the map. Um, but uh, the garments were pretty neat. But, you know, you get the feedback from the <laughs> when you key up the mic and you're like, oh, crap. Yeah. So, but we went from that cell phones so now we all got cell phones and it was texting pretty much was started out as texting back and forth and now like i said you know you got the the apps and onyx and hunt stand and um 
all the different apps that you can map and see properties around you. Um, so mark your tree stands, find your property edges. Um, Onyx is, is pretty neat. Uh, hunt stand, you, you know, you got to pay for some of them. Some of them you get, you can get free. You just don't have as much, much with it when you get to free apps. But I would say we Onyx, use it all. Onyx is is well worth the money, especially oh, yeah. if you catch it on camo fire. Yeah, and you can get it cheap. Uh, it, it is well worth the money. Just the the amount of uh, information that's at your fingertips using Onyx. It, it, it's it's money well spent doing that uh, but what I was going to talk about you know in today's age you've got uh, trail cameras that send pictures to your cell phone um, with infrared flash and all this good stuff but I remember a time that really wasn't all that long ago we were hunting in likely no we were hunting in uh, Shellman. Yeah. And we had the Brooksville. It, it thir- yeah. Brooksville. I had a, I had a thirty-five I millimeter took, film camera. Yeah, it took C batteries. <laughs> it took yeah. C batteries. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it flashed. Had a regular camera flash on it. Yeah. We talk about some deer getting scared of that one. Oh yeah. And, and then you know you have the issue now where you go and you're all excited about checking your truck camera if you don't have cell cams. And then you pull the SD card out and you put it in your little card reader and oh man, there's 800 pictures on here. Yeah. I got a bunch of deer and it's a weed <coughs> yeah. that's been moving back and forth. Or a limb that broke and yeah. falling in front of your camera. Now take that and uh, put it on, you know, 25 pictures of 35 millimeter film that you got to pay to have developed only to find out you ain't got nothing but pictures yeah. of a tree limb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And those things, man, I, I do remember those things never, we learned real quick because when dad first started using them, it was putting them on like deer trails and stuff. Yeah. And dad learned real quick that they didn't quite catch fast enough to catch the whole no. deer walking down the deer trail. No, and we, we learned that, well, I've learned, I like putting them on a salt lick more so than a feeder because you get that deer standing there at that salt lick where usually at a feeder you might get multiple deer but usually it's one deer at a time at a salt lake and um, you get some of the I, I found you get some of the best shots at, at a salt lake just because that deer is going down and licking that usually one at a time sometimes two at a feeder you know if you, you've got a spin cast feeder that's that's throwing out corn they're all around the feeder if you've got a some of the ones we got, you know, where uh, it's got three holes on it, or we've even found this year they're uh, they're they're smart enough that they'll go right to the spinner and they'll just lick it off the spinner. They won't even some of the deer won't even eat it off the ground. They'll go right to the spinner and lick it right off the spinner. So the uh, and I can't for some reason it's what's this feeder over here? A gravity feeder. Gravity feeder. Um, we've put protein in it now and uh, you get some decent pictures from it from the from the gravity feeders because it's you've got three ports that it that it's coming out of so so tell me this 
one of the one of the craziest and coolest well the advancements in in, in stand hunting technology are really the tree stand itself oh yeah tell me about the sketchiest homemade deer stand oh. you've ever hunted out of <sighs> we had a guy in Blakely now hang on before I asked this question I knew that this gentleman was gonna come up in that I didn't know what I don't know what story he's gonna tell but I knew that this gentleman was gonna be involved but go ahead Lynn <laughs> I, I, and I can't remember his last name, but he would build, he would drive nails, big, long, ten-penny nails. Like gutter nails. And <laughs> drive them in, and he had this pine tree. It must have went up 30 feet. And he climbed it, put them nails in it, and built this stand on top of it. I was scared to sit in it. I did one time, and that was the last time I hunted that stand. Um... And then we had some that were built by the previous people that leased the property. They would build it between two stands, and they'd put nails climbing up it. It was private land, so you know, obviously, you, you can't do that on timber company land. They don't. They kind of frown against that. And uh, but we got that lease because they clear cut the place, but they left the bottoms until they come in and sprayed with helicopters, and it killed everything. But the, you'd climb up the, the tree that had the nails in it, and you'd get up there, and it was two two-by-sixes between two trees, two more with a seat, and you sit between them two trees. Um, the sketchiest one was one that Al built, and I can't remember what we called it, um, but it was between three trees, and he had two-bys the whole way up, and then you had to he had a, a hole in the bottom of it that you climbed through and then set that piece back in and you sat up in it um, and it was probably a good 30 feet up 30 maybe a little higher uh, that was probably the sketch and he, I would hunt that thing he'd camp out all day and he'd, carry a, he'd pack a lunch and he'd stay there all day and once you got up in it you know why he stayed there all day because you didn't want to have to <laughs> climb back down I don't know if they ever killed a deer out of it but <laughs> It was it was fun to hunt, <coughs> um, but the sketchiest was probably one of the ones that Lynn built um, on that lease in Blakely. I tried to make ladders. I'd make a ladder stand. When I made a ladder, I'd it'd either have a three by three or a four by four platform in it because I wanted I wanted plenty of room once I got up there. So we had quite some. Dang, we had buddy stands before buddy stands were a thing. Oh man, we had, had a homemade ladder stands now. We had one between three trees we called the porch, and it was the porch for a reason. It was it was a full four by eight sheet of plywood between three trees. I used to love that stand. It was and and what I did once we got had that, that platform up there, I took the the seats to climbers and attached them to the trees. I think when was it Jordan's buck? I killed my first buck out of that stand. Your, jo your buck. Mm -hmm. Jordan yes. was in the stand. He All was. three of us were in the stand together. Yeah. And uh, you shot that deer, and it come running, come running right under the stand, went past the stand, and ran into a, an oak tree yeah. about 20 yards away and dropped dead. <laughs> <coughs> so it, uh, 
but uh, and I it wasn't that high off the ground. No, um, it, it might only been eight or ten feet off the it's ground. Yeah, say it's about, kid, about yeah. ten or ten or twelve feet. Yeah, we called it the porch. And then you had the food plot stand, which mm. I hunted in with you one time. Mm -hmm. Shot at a rabbit with my twenty-two. That was another homemade stand. Mm -hmm. Shoot that uh, big tower stand we had. Golly, how the fire tower. Oh, say that thing seems super tall. Well, the tall greenhouse. As a kid. The greenhouse was the best. It was on uh, sixteen or eighteen foot four by fours. It was a four by four box stand that I built. We stood the tower up. And I had built it a wall at a time, and I, you'd raise each raise a wall up. Now, both of you were hunt, hunted from that from a young age. Yeah. And uh, if one thing I did learn, it was if if you if if you ain't making them young boys comfortable, you're gonna have a miserable hunt. I, say, I don't yeah. know how many times I slept so, on the floor. <laughs> I carry an old sleeping bag up and put you in a sleeping bag and let you sleep on the floor until it got daylight, and then you'd wake up. <laughs> I remember sitting in that in that greenhouse one time, <laughs> and uh, I mean, I say sitting, I was passed out in that greenhouse one morning, and I hear, I wake up to, but woo, but woo, and I sat up and I said, Dad, are you going to shoot again? He said, yeah, plug your ears. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. It was an eight point. I said you killed a you killed a doe and a buck that morning, didn't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was that was funny because we, when I shot the buck, they both ran to the property next door. So we got down out of the stand, went and got on the four wheeler, and drove the four wheeler down the property line. Stopped, got off the four wheelers, and was walking down the property and looking for where the deer crossed. And I was looking for where the deer crossed, and, and you were with me standing there beside me and and i'm looking and i find a little bit of blood and i see some tracks and i look up and the deer was standing about 20 yards away it was like it was frozen and it was just standing there with its head down so i threw up and i shot again and dropped it right there i don't know if it was already dead and just standing there dead <laughs> but it was 20 yards away wide open just standing there with its head down so I, I don't like I said it, it. It acted like it was already dead, but it was just frozen. It wasn't nothing. And uh, that final shot, it didn't go nowhere. So you killed easily one of the prettiest bucks you've shot out of the yeah. greenhouse. Yeah. Tell them. Tell them about that story. Um, was sitting in that stand, and, and I, I like hunting when you've got a property that's got some topo to it where you've got some bottoms and some draws and um, I always like getting on one side of the draw and looking either down in a bottom or where I could see up the other side because in my mind if, if I'm sitting over here and those deer are on that other side they're not paying me no mind they don't know that there's a stand over there you can see them either going down the, down the, the edge or in, down in the bottom and I'm sitting there this one morning and I and I'm watching down in the bottom with my binoculars and scoping here and scoping there and I see all of a sudden I see this tree moving and I'm thinking what the heck well then I realized it was a deer rubbing on a tree so I'm looking at a hole I see the tree finally I see the deer 
and all I could do was pick out a hole in front of it. The deer quit rubbing, and it went to that hole, and I shot. Well, I, it was, there wasn't no just going down the bottom and going over to the deer. It was go out of the stand, get on the four-wheeler, drive back the trail, hike down the other side of that bottom. I find the deer. And I put back then, you had to, you, when you found a deer, you had to put a tag on it. I put a tag on it. I go back to camp and I get my buddy Al and I said he said what'd you shoot I said I said it's 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 four and so we go we go out there and we go back and I knew what it was it was a beautiful eight point perfect I think it it, it was didn't score a lot it was like a I think it scored 113 um, unofficial but uh, beautiful perfect eight point perfectly symmetrical nice good wide he just the only thing that buck is is lacking that that makes it 113 inches is like a serious amount of mass because mm -hmm. he's good tall wide and he is yeah. hung over the fireplace yeah. pretty much my entire life yeah. well since we've had a fireplace he's yeah. hung there yeah. yeah so in fact i think when i got that deer back is when we moved in our new house and that's where he's set ever since over that fireplace yeah but uh so uh, Al and I go back and we're looking. I already knew where it was. I'd already tagged it. So I'm up the hill and Al's, uh, I'm, I'm kind of directing him. I'm like, I think it's down here, over there. Well, I'd already had it staged. So he gets down there and I'm standing up the hill, maybe 20, 30 yards away. And he sees that deer and he turns around and he looks at me and I'm like, snap, took a picture. <laughs> His mouth wide open. He said, I thought you said four. I said, four on one side, four on the other two. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so we drug that deer out, but um, so it uh, it was, it's, that's probably, it's, that's been my, and not necessarily my biggest, but it's been the best deer that I've ever killed. And uh, I was pretty young then, but uh, so yeah that was that was probably the best and uh, not the best story not the best story what's the best story the best story would be when al shot <laughs> <laughs> you, you can remember, i know jordan remembers this um he'd been up there all week and this was in shelm in uh brooksville georgia which was close to shelman and uh, he'd been up there all week hunted my stand all or hunted my stand all week and I hunted it one morning and uh, I went down to the bottom was hunting in the bottom and I heard him shoot and I text him he said I said what'd you shoot he said big buck so I'm sitting in my stand I'm like dang and I knew there was a good buck there because I'd seen it I shot at it with my muzzle loader missed it I was pissed I was like shoot he done shot my deer so I stayed in my stand and uh, I let him let him mill around and he got down and he couldn't find no blood, couldn't find the deer. So he went back to camp. I said, well, I'll get down. When I get down, I'll walk along the bottom, come, come back up the trail toward that stand. So I'm walking back up the trail and I look off the trail and about 10 yards off the trail, that buck laid there and it was a good buck. I think it was an eight point. It was an eight point. And uh, so I thought, I'll fix him. I was out there by myself, everybody already back to camp. So 
I found that deer, and all of a sudden I said, I took my rifle, and I said, boom, I shot my rifle off. And I no sooner shot my rifle off, it wasn't just seconds, I get a text, what'd you shoot? I said, I said, good buck. So I staged it. I got down there, took a selfie with it, and sent a picture back to camp. And, and I said, tell Jordan to come out here with a mule. I said, I need help. So we loaded up that deer and got back to camp. And I told the story. I said, I said, man, I was just walking up the trail. I said, and that deer stepped out in front of me. I said, I shot it. He's like, man, god dang. He said, Al says, that's the one I shot at. He said, he, I must have missed him. He went down there and he must have laid up. And I said, yeah. And I said, well, I got it. And he, he reached out and shook my hand. He said, well, congratulations. And I said, what you congratulating me for? I said, you shot the damn thing. You should have looked a little bit harder. I said, I walked up the trail and it was laying 10 yards off the trail and graveyard dead. He said, what? <laughs> I said, that's your buck. I didn't kill it. <laughs> and sure enough, he hadn't. He, he didn't blood trail it. it, it, it there, there wasn't no blood, really. He shoots a 300 Ultra Mag. I don't know how there wasn't no blood. But it went in the thick, and it didn't go probably 20 yards from where it hit the thick, and it just piled up. But he gave up too soon and uh, because he didn't find no blood. Yeah. <clears throat> so, But Al was known for shooting body. When you shoot a 300 Ultra Mag, all you got to do is wound it or wing it, and it, usually they drop dead. Yeah, well, yeah uh, on the white tail down here for sure. Yeah, yeah. well, he, he got me back with that. Though. Well, he didn't get me back with that one, but he uh, before that he'd shot one that I had shot at a week sooner, and he ended up killing it. Now, hold up. I you remember can't that. Just, yeah. Yeah, that's you can't that just one, skip that's, over that That's now. the stand where I was talking about where you shot across the... Okay. This, yeah. is, this is the story of the Colorado Courage, yeah. as he called it. I, how, yeah. I don't know. It might have been 400 yards, but this deer stepped was, out. Jordan I, and I were in the quad yeah, pod together. I remember I, you could see it was every bit of 400, if not more. And, and you, you could, could see the see horns without a, without a scope, without binoculars. And I shot at that deer, and I was like, I, I, I had to collar. I had already been to Colorado, and I killed an elk at yeah. 400 had, and some you, yards. You had just come yeah. back. Front when he he yeah. had just come back. It, it couldn't have been. It had to be. It, what, it was the year you went to Colorado, yeah. I'm pretty sure. So shot you a, had been back a month. Shot maybe. a mule deer at 300 yards, shot an elk at 400. And, uh, so I had some courage. That buck come out in that food plot that was not in the ridge but it was down the ridge up the other side and out in the food plot so it was 400 yards and i shot and jordan and i went over we found blood we blood trailed we never found the deer al goes up a week later sits in the same stand and the dang deer comes on the other no, side of the ridge he was sitting in that no, that he was quad, in. I thought he was in the quad. He was pod in the that same quad pod. That, no, he nope, was in the, the same, same quad pod that me and you were hunting. It came on that ridge that was on oh. the other side that we were yeah, hunting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And he shot it, and um, I don't even know if he hit it. I think the dang 300 just scared it to death. <laughs> um, because I don't, I don't remember finding a bullet hole in it or blood, but. He stayed in the stand and directed me to where he thought the deer was. And sure enough, it was laying there dead. Well, the front leg on it was pussed up 
and I had hit that thing in the leg because we found blood when I mm, shot. We found blood and meat. And the front leg on it was just stiff and straight out, and it was all swollen up and pussy. So I guess I just hit the front leg on it, and uh, ten point. But Al, it was yeah, it was a ten point, and but Al got it, and I was like, son of a gun. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so he he got that one from me. But uh, y'all have kind of gone back and forth oh, over years with that, you know. I mean, it went from the from the buck you missed on the when we hunted out of the pickup truck that morning. I was sick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he to, got it. Yeah, he got that one. And then he sat in that box stand there in Blakely for all week long. Yeah, and then Dad stole that yeah. buck from me. Yeah. Uh, Listen, these, but, that was but, stolen. That was straight <laughs> stolen. Nothing but stolen. I even told him that we needed to cut a limb sitting in the stand. I said, we need to cut that limb because a deer may come out right there. No, no, it's all right. Well, and they used to always kid me because I'd go out I'd go out to the stand and I'd take. I, I went out the, the when I killed the first. I think it was might have been the first deer I killed. It might have been a three point. And I went out to the stand that morning and I carried my screw gun with me because I wanted to put some some rails up or something on the stand. I can't even remember what it was. Maybe it was put a seat on it. And I carried my screw gun with me. So I'm out there in the dark with my screw gun. And then I hunted and I killed a deer. And then. The one that Jordan's referring to, we went out that afternoon, and it was a new box stand. So we put some screen up, and we put screen around the, the opening. And I saw him out there with a staple gun before we hunt. Just put staples in, screen, putting screen up. And then we end up, I end up shooting a buck. And there's a couple others I'd done this or that and go out with a, a cordless implement or a... Or a a staple gun and do something or a saw or a saw and end up killing a deer moving a stand one afternoon i moved a tripod and killed a nine point and uh that was in blakely I'm, i just moved the stand got climbed up in it and, and uh, an hour later kill a nine point um so i was known for for doing like, that i feel like i got some of dad's luck a little bit because any any time i ever like that that climber that I put up, where you that ladder you hunted today? Yeah. I put that climber up, and it was the morning after I put it up. I killed that yep. buck last season. I was really hoping that me going out there and putting up blind material on that ladder would bring me some luck. Yeah. You didn't make enough yeah. noise. You I didn't. Guess yeah. not. You <laughs> didn't get that luck, is what happened. Yeah. <laughs> All I saw was I, yeah. I saw one squirrel. One. Yeah. yeah. I ended. Up, I ended up with that luck. I can remember Al shot a buck on in Blakely, and he was hunting in it. We had that. We called it the runway. Because oh, it was it one. was where they left a row of trees out, and we planted a food plot in it. And he had a a worn and sweat tripod, which I still have to it's this at day. The house. Still yeah. have, yeah, and I have house. I have re-plywooded it, a and it, times. it sits just fine. They're, uh, I mean, they weren't the best stands, but for having a shooting rest and shoot, I mean, you can, they're really not all no, that you uncomfortable. Can, no, you yeah. can and you oh. can hold them crosshairs on a quarter at two hundred yards, no problem, steady. So. But Al was hunting that, hunting that dang, the runway, and he shot a buck, and he shot, and it dropped, and he turned around and wasn't paying attention, and all of a sudden that deer jumped up, went over the fence, and was gone. It hit the ground, and it, he looked away, and it was gone. And we looked, and blood trail never did find it. But yeah, those old worn and sweat tripods, 
you could, they're 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 not deep. worn and sweat. That's the first climbers we ever hunted out of. Yeah, yeah. I had a worn and sweat bow hunter. And we had that one that faced the tree. Yep. Yeah. I can't remember what those were called, but that was one out. And in fact, I think we left that on a tree in Blakely. <laughs> we didn't even get it out. I've hunted out of that that climber in uh, Ocala. Yeah. Several the, times. Uh, I, I still say the best climber that I've ever had and still have it is a predator, API predator. It sits like just sitting in a dang in a in a in a lawn chair. It's like climbing the tree with a school bus. But. It's it's the well, it's it's a little heavy and yeah. you don't wanna have to move it once you put it on a, if you're if you're hunting management land and you gotta take it in and out, it's not the stand you want. But if you got a piece of property where you could put it on a tree and leave it, it's like it's like hanging off a tree in a lawn chair. But I that uh, that, that stand is by far the best best climber I've ever hunted out of. Now my brother, he'll he'll take a tree lounge over anything. I, I'm just not crazy about. They're all right to climb, they're all right to sit in, but when you got to go down, nah, it's, there's a little bit of pucker factor involved with it. I tell you, my my uh, my summit, I got a Viper SS, and I don't know what it is, but the base, like the bottom of it. It's all literally always a pain in the butt to get down with. It'll go up easy. Yeah. And to go down, the bottom always wants to hang up. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Now I don't. I don't use. You know, a lot of people got a little thing they put their feet under or whatever. But I don't use any of that crap. I just kind of tuck my feet under, tuck my toes under the side of it. I do the same thing. Yeah. Tuck my toes under yeah. the side and go down. I don't know if it's just that one. I have two of them. And I don't ever use my other one. But I only paid a hundred bucks for it. So. Well, I've got the summit, the summit 360, where I can sit either direction. But I, 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 I don't never face the tree. I always face it. Yeah, I have the same one, but I don't ever face the tree either. I, I really have that, that climbing stand just because of the rounded front yeah. that allows me extra room for my knees. Yeah. Because I am, you know, we're fairly tall, all three of us. Yeah. Well, and, you uh, know, my Viper, at least the one that I hunt out of the most, I got a footrest on it. Yeah. And I just. I put my bottom down lower, and I put my feet out on the footrest, and it kind of ke it keeps my knees underneath that top. Well, you're real so well. the only thing I don't like about the summit is you're so confined with and with the predator. I, it's it's yeah. I've got the I've got a rest in front of me. I can lay my bow out there. I can set my gun on it, um, and and you're not as confined as you are with yeah. the summit. Um, so the big difference in that in that. API versus a summit is that you climb when you're climbing the the portion of your feet is is only strictly for the climbing yeah. portion of that. Once you're up in a tree and you're going to sit, you're only you're all you're the whole of you feet everything is sitting in the top half of the climb. Yeah, on, in on the, the API. API. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. When you stand up, you're on the same piece that you're sitting on. Versus your traditional climbing stand now, where your feet stay on the bottom half yeah. and your yeah. your top half stays on the top half. So it's it's that's a very different style of climbing stand right. than what you see today. It is extremely comfortable. So what was the first tree stand? I would say what was the first ladder stand you ever bought? I don't know that I ever bought a ladder stand. Well, no, I take that back. I've bought ladder stands. Um, couldn't tell you the name of them um you know we've got 
the ones okay. we got we call the Missy stand um, that have a, a fold down seat and a rail and sides on it and has two doors that swing open um, those 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 probably the probably not the first ladder I bought those old buddy stands that the Walmart used to sell that had two man stands yeah changed their life I don't know yeah I don't know I don't know who made them um, but we I know I bought them at Walmart and well we changed the game we put bus seats in them yeah we put <laughs> we put we got an old Brian had an old school bus that he was scrapping out and we got the bus seats and put bus seats on them the only problem was you know your back you, you always you had to sit exactly straight up but that was went to the buddy stand because was hunting with you boys yeah and would have you know one of you'd be sitting next to me um and that's well, just the way we the buddy stands kind of got phased out but they're about to have to start getting phased back in yeah i know yeah, <laughs> yeah, with yeah. With we got, we've kind of phased them out as they rusted away the single ladder stands we all yeah. hunted by ourselves and now you know i've got rylan and he's coming up here more and more often so we have to phase them we buddy going stands back, back two-man stands yeah yeah, the buddy stands yeah. were. The only problem with me hunting out of a, a two-man stand is it's going to make it easier for me to sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, I have had some of the best naps I've ever had oh, in my yeah. life in a tree stand. <laughs> and I napped like a joker this yeah. afternoon. I remember one morning when I was hunting on Fort Campbell, uh, we had been hunting for about three days straight, and when we were hunting Fort Campbell, we had, you could go into the woods, 90 minutes before sunrise so because it was a very hot area a hot piece of public land you had to you had to show up before the 90 minutes to make sure you could get your parking spot where you wanted to go kind of yeah. mark your area off and we had a 45 minute drive to where we we're going to hunt from where we lived and that was not that we lived that far from the base because i was in the army at the time we only lived four miles from the base but the base was so big to drive to the back side of the base through the base took us 45 minutes so now you take a 45 minute drive on top of wanting to show up at least two hours ahead instead of an hour and a half from sunrise and sunrise is at 6 30 in the morning we're up at 3 a.m mm -hmm. trying to get dressed and go out there you could put three mornings and full day hunts of that and about the third day i was exhausted so I climbed up in my climber and I passed out hard. And I mean, I passed out so hard that I had a deer, I had a bucket come chasing a doe in front of me. And then all the racket they made woke me up. And I had to wait, I woke up, opened my eyes, and then I had to rub my eyes to make sure I was seeing deer. I looked and I was like, that's a buck. And I rubbed them again, I was like, that's not a shooter buck. And then I went back to sleep. <laughs> I was absolutely. I bet I slept till nine o'clock that morning. <laughs> and I know I was snoring and everything in that thing tree stand. I can remember hunting. It was the. Uh, see, was it the first year, or the second, second year I hunted in Georgia, and I and I went down in a bottom and fell asleep and was sitting on the ground. And uh, I fell asleep, and when I woke up, about 15 yards out in front of me, the biggest coyote I've ever seen was walking through the woods in front of me. 
and uh, I woke up and I was I, I couldn't even move. I'd seen that thing walking through. I couldn't even move to shoot it. <laughs> yeah, you your limbs were falling asleep yeah. at that point yeah. too. And then another time I was I, I the, the couple times I sat on the ground in the bottom. I was sitting behind a brush pile, and I had a doe come up behind me, and she was so close I could hear her breathing, and uh, she was stomping her feet. She must have been, she couldn't have been five yards away from me, and I'm sitting there on my butt with a 30-30 across my lap, and couldn't do nothing. All she, she was stomping and blowing, and I could hear her turn and run away, and I thought, so I kept, I, I was waking, I finally got my gun in my hands, and then all of a sudden she come back at me, and she come back stomping and blowing, and I couldn't do nothing. Um, it was just, she was she was right there, and I, was, I had that brush pile between me and her. She couldn't, she just knew something was there, but she didn't know what yeah, the heck she, it was, and all she did was blow, and uh, there wasn't no jumping up, turning around, shooting, it was too thick. It didn't take her but seconds, and she was back and thick, and I couldn't see nothing. I can remember a couple of times as a kid. I uh, may have been the second Blakely lease of going down in the bottom and setting, like on the ground, yeah. and hunting. Well, that I think you actually had actually brought chairs, but we had wandered down into the bottom and hunted. Just it wasn't in a blind yeah. or anything. We were just behind like a log or yeah. I kind of miss that kind. I miss that kind of hunting. Yeah, sometimes. we don't have it really have any bottom. I mean, we got the creek down here on the river on the on the Appalaha, but there's. Uh, that's that's gonna be fun. I, I wish I could go ahead and kill a buck already. I'm ready to uh, get down there and do some duck hunting. Yeah, I, I I that's that's one thing I do miss. And this property doesn't have is we don't have any deep ravines or 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 big draws like we used to have in some of the other leases that we were on. Um, even the last one we were on in Shelman, we didn't. It was all flat. Yeah. There wasn't no bottom nowhere. I do. I missed the big ravine. It was um, like that that stand that I had that I missed. Well, I didn't genuinely miss. I just hit a tree on the way there. That buck that William yeah. shot. <coughs> that was yep. yeah. That's that was a dang good buck you missed. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't miss. He hangs over my fireplace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, and, and, no, I and that was, saga continues. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that was another one of those things where Dad was talking about where I had I had gone down yeah. in the bottom, and I had just picked the perfect tree. It was a, a group of three trees where I could I climbed up them, and I could see both sides of the bottom. I was down in the middle of the bottom, but I was up. At the perfect height to where I could see both sides, and well, I could you had see... a magnolia tree right there that gave you yeah endless cover. Yeah, that I mean, golly, that was probably the, I'd say that was yeah. probably the most beautiful spot I'd ever picked out. It I picked was. that out all myself. It, and it, it just spot. worked out great, other than the fact of until it didn't. Yeah. Well, listen, <laughs> where that deer was when I shot at it, I was standing up with the orange vest on in my climber, like waving my hands, jumping back and forth, and I'm talking to Dad on the phone. He's like, where are you at? I'm like, I'm right here. I can see you. He's like, I can't see you. Yeah, and you're pointing out to me where the deer was when he shot, and I'm like, how in the heck did he even see it? I 
So we, you talked about that big me. old coyote. Oh, I want you to, I want you to tell them about the, the black coyote on the porch. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to tell that story. <laughs> but it's a funny one. <laughs> well, you know when we had a bathroom at that at that camp, but you had to walk. It's a good hundred yards. A good hundred yards up the hill to go to the bathroom, and. Uh, you know, we had a rule in Not camp. Not that, that would have stopped you from walking outside <laughs> and going pee if it was Yeah, well, away. we had a rule, too. Then Back then, if, if it was brown, flush it down. If it was yellow, let it mellow. So, but uh, Or send it to the bushes. Yeah, it, we were, it was the middle of the night, so it wasn't nothing to walk and pee off the porch. So I get up in the middle of the night, and I don't flip the light on. I can't remember if I flipped the light on, but I opened the, the door, and there was a damn coyote right there at the edge of the porch. And here I am in my underwear, going out to take a leak. And this coyote's standing there, and I opened up the door, and I see it standing, and I was like, Aah! I think I woke everybody up. And you guys up in the one camper, and Al up in the front, like, what the heck's going on? I'm like, that damn coyote right there is a porch. <laughs> that uh, camp was pretty well in the woods, though. Yeah. It, it wasn't like it was oh, out no, in it the was in the woods. field. It was, it was in the woods. Yeah. We actually had a trail cut down off the porch so you could sit there and watch down into the woods yeah. have a deer come out. Yeah. <clears throat> I think that was like a me and you were bored one afternoon and yeah. ended up walking down through the woods with a couple of machetes chopping crap. Yeah. But so what is your uh most memorable deer hunting story? Memorable deer hunting story. <laughs> Stealing a deer from here. <laughs> well, I won't. I've told that story before on here, so I won't tell it again. <laughs> Probably shooting that eight point. Yeah. Um, or going to Colorado, um, elk and getting an elk and a mule deer. For free. Um, that was, uh, that's some beautiful country. I'd love to go back and do it again one day maybe when i hit the lotto <laughs> but uh probably that eight point um that was that was neat shooting across a across a ravine and down in the bottom uh but either that or or, or hunting with you boys watching you guys get your first deer um, how many times do you have to watch Jordan try to get his first <laughs> Once. I didn't miss. I, I had missed. I missed deer after I had already shot my first deer. <laughs> so I'll tell that story. So we had a, we had got, we had, Listen, yeah, I think we had 200. You, before he tells the story, this 30-30 that he speaks of is notorious for not keeping a zero yeah yeah that gun's well, bad extremely <laughs> that was y'all's first that was y'all's first gun to hunt with <laughs> yeah. never yeah. kept a zero mine too i don't know that i've ever killed a deer with it yeah well i wonder why <laughs> yeah I, i'm pretty sure that thing don't shoot straight no we we had got we had acquired an extra 50 acres and it was planted pines and they were probably i don't know three or four years old and uh we found a wide spot so we tilled it up rototiller it planted a food plot and put a box stand in it at one end of it 
we called it the slaying fields and it was for a reason because we killed more deer out of that dang box stand and i think we only had that piece for a year and then we lost the lease but uh jordan and i go in we're sitting in that box stand jordan's got the 30 30 and this deer pops out we had rototillered it was probably a hundred and a little over a hundred yards long it was i was, it was probably close to 200 it was a good long it might have been 150 it wasn't 200 so we're sitting in the box stand and deer pops out at the end jordan's sitting there with 30 30 and uh i said go ahead it was a little buck he shoots he misses the deer jumps and it it moves to the other side of the lane he shoots again and misses it jumped again well, then it come running towards us maybe 20 30 yards and stopped he shot again and missed it ran back and it turned around and come back he shot again and he hit it he hit it in the leg and it come running straight towards us we're sitting in this box stand come straight towards us one leg dragging limping i throw up my seven millimeter and i shot it right in the chest running straight at us i said i, said, I ain't blood trailing that deer <laughs> <laughs> now mind you the whole time i'm yeah. on the other piece of property that's about yeah. uh half no, mile down the road and i thought I'm somebody saying, was target practicing <laughs> i thought you were in it because we had two shooting lanes in that one no i was i was on the other property yeah he was on the other, the other piece. he was down on a 200 i remember there was another story somebody i shot a deer I think I shot a doe and then it ended up running because we had two of those shooting houses in those yeah. pines we had a ground and line it, in the other yeah. one it ended up running across your lane and then me and dad went to blood trail that one no I know how this story goes you are remembering it incorrectly okay I shot what I thought was a doe turned out to be a three or four point uh and i had shot a coyote earlier that morning and then i shot that that little buck mm -hmm. and then i got out to go look for blood where that buck was and i couldn't find it so my dad and brother came over there to help blood trail it well i stayed in the stand and they got about halfway down the food plot and i see jordan throw up a rifle and i'm trying to figure out what's going on and then all of a sudden my dad takes the rifle from him yeah yeah and shoots the, puts shoots it on my puts it on my shoulder yeah <laughs> he's like plug your ears <laughs> and shot a doe uh and they ended up following the same blood trail for about 30 yards and then they split off uh we found both those deer that morning and the coyote the coyote didn't go nowhere but the key to that slaying fields what made it such a profitable hunting area was that amongst all those short pines was a very heavy amount of dog fennel yeah and there was no deer that was going to slip through there that you didn't know was coming yeah. for a solid five minutes before it showed up. Yeah, you could hear the cracking and popping. Mm -hmm. Now, I remember Jordan's first buck now because that was on that was on the 200, and you and I were, we, we had that stand. It was we that buddy stand, the, yeah. You'd cr across the creek, and which was sketchy getting across at times because we, <laughs> I think we <laughs> It rolled depended the if the culvert pipe had moved yeah. or not when if it <laughs> moved in the creek. Or if it gotten washed out. Yeah. We, we filled it in and sandbagged it, and then it washed out, and you had a two-by that you had to cross. But uh, you and I were sitting in that buddy stand, and that deer come out up on the, up the hill. And I think you even, you, yeah, you were asleep. Yeah. I woke you up. 
and I think you shot it in the chest. It was facing. I did. It was facing. I shot it yeah. directly in the center of the chest, and it dropped right there in the food plot. Yeah. Didn't run anywhere. Just dropped dead center in the food plot. Yeah. So. I was tickled pink too. Yeah, I I used to dog hunt until I got tired of chasing dogs. And do you remember your first your first ever still hunt? Uh, it would have been in Ocala. It was with a bow hunting. Yeah. Somebody I went from bow hunting. Somebody else's tree stand. <laughs> I I did I did well I did hunt with a I hunt it was a Barnett climber. It had these bands. They were like one inches one inch wide bands, and they were notorious for slipping. Um, so when you sat in that, you didn't sleep. Those first some of those first climbers, you didn't sleep. Because you couldn't. It wasn't like some of these ones today where you're you're tucked in it. You know, you're like you're in a cockpit now. That's like those, my, you my were sitting on a, a a piece of one by that was six inches wide and or six inches wide and you know twelve inches, fourteen, sixteen inches long, and your your butt just barely fit in them. And then you had a platform out in front of you that your feet sat on that you you had no room to stretch your legs. If you did, you know, some of those worn in sweats. If you did, you'd lose your bottom. <laughs> so man, you're just hanging up there. But those that Barnett climber, it was it was one I'd borrowed from Tim, and that was where you had to you put the seat above you, and you had to pull your feet up and hold on with your arms. Oh, they were oh, painful. That'll wear you out. Oh, yeah. By the time you got up there, and and that's the thing about bow hunting, it's so hot, and you're climbing a climber in the summertime. By the time you get up there, you're soaking wet with sweat from climbing. Thing I like about duck hunting, son. I go to duck hunting in a in a short sleeve shirt and some shorts and Crocs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get in a blind. You yeah. get a good enough blind. You ain't got to worry about all that crap. Yeah. Except for mosquitoes. Yeah. Oh God. And now you got to worry about alligators with some of the places we go. <laughs> yeah. But we come coming to the end of this and. You know, we do our Under Pressure Outdoors Tip of the Week, and Under Pressure Outdoors Tip of the Week is brought to you by the Ratchet Jacket. And if you guys are following us on Facebook, you saw those in action earlier this week where you can get that little <clears throat> neoprene sleeve on your ratchet strap to protect your load, uh, be it on the metal parts of your ratchet binder or like I use it this week where I put you it on the corners. always protect your load. Put it on the corners of my uh, of the load to keep the, you know, the ratchet binders from rubbing because I had some nice doors back there that I didn't want to get torn up. Uh, keep those looking nice and the ratchet jackets did their job but uh, go find them on Facebook yeah absolutely and they're cheap man they are they are not expensive whatsoever and you, you, you really for the money I'd say they're worth it um, but you know coming into deer hunting if, if you're going to be self taught I, I, I would say that my under pressure outdoors tip of the week don't discount uh small game hunting absolutely because you that affords you the ability to go out and learn how to sit still learn how to be quiet learn how to camouflage uh especially chasing a, a prey like squirrels that have far more predators than deer do they're they're really leery and it allow you to make a mistake over a squirrel dinner 
versus a Thanksgiving feast. Yeah, and and with that being said, um, I know we're we're members of the the Florida chapter, but I don't know if other chapters do the same. But our, our Florida chapter does a small game hunt. The backcountry or, hunters yeah, and anglers. Backcountry backcountry hunters and anglers. They uh, they do at least one small game hunt every year where everybody gets together, and you can learn. If you go to those events like that, you can learn from those people that have been doing it for years. That's, I mean, that's not just you going out there on your own. I mean, you're going out there for your first time on your own, but you also have people out there that have been doing it for a long time, and you can learn from those people. And squirrel hunting can be a dang good time now. Oh, God, that's one of the funnest yeah. hunts I've ever been on. I love it. If you can get into some squirrels. You know, hunting hunting is not always about it's not about numbers. I've hunted people with their they were all about numbers. Ah, I killed this many and I killed that many. Um, you know, and and I've never been a numbers hunter. Um, it's to me, I'd I'd rather kill something quality. I say, uh, if, if that's one thing I've taken from Dad is, I could sit in a stand all day and watch the buck that. A lot of people would this afternoon I mean that that little basket rack eight there's people that would have shoot a basket rack eight like that in a heartbeat but to me it's like you know give him two or three years that's gonna be that's a young buck and he was an eight point that's gonna be a stud in two or three years. You sit and watch deer you learn too you know you you learn um, how they react to things that that little doe that, that Riley and I watched it it took it a good, you know, it's it's probably only 30 yards wide, but uh, it, it took it a good minute to get across that 30 yards. And I don't know what it was looking at. It was acting like it was looking at something on the ground that had a little spooked. Um, and it was probably 80, 100 yards away from us. So I know it wasn't here and it's never looked at us. But it was, it was looking at the ground like there was something on the ground. Um, but, you know, take take your time and watch. Um, if you're still hunting, you don't have to clear every limb that's out there in front of you. You don't have to chop down every tree that's out there in front of you. Leave it more natural. Um, I know, uh, I've cleared a lot. Uh, was hunting in some pines and cleared a bunch of limbs because I seen deer. Well, I went and cleared them limbs and all it did was move the deer back further. Um, they didn't walk that trail no more. They went back further where it was thick. Um, you don't have to see wide open in front of you pick spots um, trim a few limbs not a lot of limbs um, pick your pick your spots pick your shots um, keep it more natural don't try to you know you want to shoot these you want to create shooting lanes but you've got to leave it somewhat natural don't don't try to knock everything out of the way you know something I've done over the years too with with deer that come out that I know I'm not going to shoot <clears throat> is I push my limits to see what I can get away yeah. with. Yeah, yeah. Grunt, whistle, make noises at them. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's that just little, to see that, what I can yeah. get away with. Yeah. yeah. That little buck today when he when he was running around chasing, I said there was a couple times where I said, ah, just to see what he would do, and he'd stop and look. Like, all right, who was that? We just had a doe grunt back at you the other day doing that. Yeah. Well, you remember when we were in uh, with we the were coochie? Over there in, we were in Tipton. Yeah, on a, a, 
over toward yeah. Douglas when we, we, we called it. It was a little five point. We called that thing across the clear cut. Yeah. Three times we grunted yeah. him, and he come, he'd come within 50, 60 yards of us. We let him get walking back across that clear cut, and we'd grunt again, and he'd turn around, he'd come right back. He could never, he never knew where we were. And, uh, and we were just messing. We knew we weren't going to shoot it. And uh, we messed with him until we heard a car coming down the road. Then we let him go because we knew that guy probably shoot it, stop and shoot him. I'd say my. But you learn, uh, you yeah. learn more things when you if you sit and, and can watch. You know, if you're not going to shoot something, sit and watch it. Yeah. Um, watch what it does. Uh, like I said, you 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 push your limits, make noises, and see what. Um, wave at them. Uh, you know, all kind of crazy things. Well, you watch where they're going, yeah. where they're coming from. How they're acting, how they react. Where they're stopping and eating, yep. you know. Yeah. I'd say, you know, it whether it be even even to dog hunting, my tip of the week would be, even you could even take it to dog hunting, but hunting, period, and, and really still hunting a lot because you, especially if you're going to a camp or something, don't take your camaraderie for granted. No. Because to me whether i kill something or not the the time spent with the people that i'm here hunting with to me is more important than actually killing something because I, I get just as happy if you kill something as if i kill something just sitting right here by the fire tonight yeah yeah well and i you know I, time, you you're gonna make sometimes you make more memories and that even goes I feel like that goes with any duck hunting, or not duck hunting, but any hunting period. I was thinking duck hunting, because you know there's a lot of memories you make without killing anything. There's more memorable, memorable memories made spending time with the people that you care about hunting than there is sometimes actually killing the animal. I've got just as many memories of camp and that tire swing and the yeah. fire pit. And that's why we've Pecans. got a, we've done picked out a limb for a tire swing here uh, yeah. at this place, and and we just have yet to throw the rope <laughs> or get the tire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, it's it's, and I and I've said it time and time again, and I I still say it. Take a kid hunting, um, teach them how to hunt. Um, if, you know, if you got kids, or if you don't have kids, you know, if you you got a buddy that's got kids. Um, I know Al, when you boys were both big enough, Al would take hunted, one of yeah. you and I'd take the other one. I hunted with Al, snake. I don't know how many times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, yeah, he was good. It was, it's, it's, you know, if you can share the experiences with somebody else, um, it's, it just don't get no better. If we don't continue to share the experience and pass it on to the next generation, we will lose what we have. Absolutely. Yep. And that goes for fighting for public lands. Uh, it's just as much as it does taking a kid. Yeah, so you, you ain't got to go to a camp to, to get these memories. I mean, you, you, you could go to public land. You can camp on public land and get the same memories as you do as if you had a camp on private or on, on a lease. We, camp, we camped in Ocala in a tent, in a two-man tent. And pouring down rain, and I learned one good thing: you don't put a tarp under your tent because the water catches on the tarp and goes right under your sleeping bag. 
Newton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't put a tarp down and think, oh, I'm going to be on dry ground because that rain runs right under that tarp and soaks your sleeping bag. <laughs> and I've made a bunch of memories just standing at the back of a truck in the middle of the day. Yeah. On yep. public land. Yeah. You know, because we lived in the house and we didn't want to go home. We're going to yeah. sit up there and spend the whole day. At the, we, we used to go and uh, we hunted Fort Campbell a lot. We got to the point where we realized if we left in the middle of the day to go eat lunch, that we weren't going to have our spot in the afternoon, so we would pack up, put a little one of them little fold-up uh, pole you, where you fold it out, and it's just like the roof with the four poles, you know, collapses down a little tent. We'd put one of those in the back of the truck, three or four lawn chairs, a, a cooler, and and a little propane uh, cook stove, and we'd get out of the tree stand in the morning, come back, pull our tarp out, get our lawn chairs out, right there on the side of the road. <clears throat> and set our launch it, start making breakfast and you know we were breaking necks people go driving past stop come back oh man y'all got the setup yeah you want a piece of sausage <laughs> you know <laughs> get out make a big pot of coffee sit back enjoy the whole day just be in there and then go back out and hunt for the afternoon but we had just sitting around telling stories it was it was great that's what it's all about so it ain't about killing it ain't all about killing no and I, I've never been a, a numbers guy, and I, you know, I, I've hunted in states where I could kill, literally kill, three does a day with no limit on the season, and I've never killed more than me and my family can eat. I just don't see a sense in it. Uh, it's just not how I. It's not how I was raised hunting, uh, and it's not how I raised my kids to hunt. It's just not about numbers. If, we, if I'm out here trying to kill everything I see, there ain't gonna be nothing left. No. Eventually we all hunted like that so but until next week make sure you guys are going on apple Podcasts and leaving us a review even if you don't listen to us on apple Podcasts, you can still get on your computer go to apple Podcasts and leave us a review there because that's going to push us further up in the number one listening platform for our podcast which is apple podcast it's going to push us further up in that search criteria when you leave us reviews and don't just like hit the five stars if you like what you're listening to write something down uh and uh, if we start getting some more reviews maybe i'll start reading some reviews but uh leave us some reviews follow us on facebook follow us on instagram shoot us a message shoot us an email at underpressureoutdoors at gmail and we'll get back to you help you wherever we can hey and if you got something you want to hear about uh, you know we can find some people if there's something you want to hear, stories you want to hear, uh, you know the old duck hunter we had on a few weeks ago. He was that was that that cracked me up. He was great. Um, he was just yeah. listening to different people talk like that. We we all know uh, different people that hunt, that fish, that uh, you know. I've got a guide up in North Florida that that I'd love to get on. Um, that guy. Uh, he, uh, he's, I know he's got some stories because he hunts and fishes and uh, outdoor obsessions. Um, he's, a, he's a great guy. Yeah, if I don't know somebody, I know somebody who knows somebody. Yeah. And uh, that's how I, this hunting community works. Yeah. It, hunting and fishing community works. It's looking like we might have one more installment after this. And I am the <clears> youngest <throat> so far. Yeah. It's looking like we might have one more installment, possibly, of the of the uh, outdoorsman of a bygone era before 
we hit our capstone which has been planned since the beginning and it's going to be a, a really cool episode because it's going to give you a uh, perspective uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop a little sneak peek. It's gonna give you a perspective from the other side of the law So stay tuned for that one until next week. You guys have a great great week